0: Welcome back to United We Stand, a podcast about why we Americans are more united than we are divided, and we look at that through the lens of American history. Today, we are going to take a look at Theodore Roosevelt's speech on the nation's trusts, from December 3rd, 1901. We'll start with a little backstory or a little bit of table setting, as I like to say. Theodore Roosevelt took the oath of office as president on September 14th, 1901, after the president, William McKinley, was assassinated. It was the intention of the party bosses at the time to put Roosevelt into the vice presidency to neutralize him as a force for change. He had previously been the governor of New York and was working on cleaning up the government, meaning eliminating corruption, making public officials or or the bureaucrats as a way to call it ethical and honest, trying to eliminate the spoils system, which was a term at the time for election winners to appoint their friends, and then their friends would take bribes to appoint their other friends. So it became almost like a racket for people to make money off the system. And so Roosevelt had been working for most of his adult life to eliminate the spoils system, much to the chagrin of the people who were in power of the respective parties. And he was doing that very effectively as the governor of New York. So the Republicans wanted to get him into an office where he couldn't do anything, so they elected him to be vice president, and William McKinley won. And so Theodore Roosevelt was the VP up until September of 1901, when McKinley was assassinated and Roosevelt assumed the presidency. So when he did that, he waited a few months, but then he ended up giving his first address to the nation. It wasn't a inaugural address. He gave, effectively, a State of the Union Address. It was his first ceremonial address to the, to the Congress, to the House and the Senate, but it was also his first authentic idea of what he wanted to do and the tone, the agenda, the policies he wanted to talk about, or rather, that he wanted to have moved forward while he was the president. And during that address, he talked specifically about the trusts. His speech included these words... There is a widespread conviction in the minds of the American people that the great corporations known as trusts are in certain of their features and tendencies hurtful to the general welfare this springs from no spirit of envy or uncharitableness nor lack of pride in the great industrial achievements it does not rest upon a lack of intelligent appreciation of the necessity of meeting changing and changed conditions of trade with new methods nor upon ignorance of the fact that combination of capital in the effort to accomplish great things is necessary It is based upon sincere conviction that the combination and concentration should be not prohibited, but supervised and, within reasonable limits, controlled. And, in my judgment, this conviction is right. Roosevelt was talking about essentially big companies getting bigger. At the time, a trust was the term that they used for a large business, sometimes a conglomeration or even a monopoly. When we're studying that period of history you hear about the oil trust or the steel trust it was a way for those businesses to control the market to eliminate or effectively bar competition from from gaining entry because they they had a monopoly and so there wasn't any way for competitors to get into the market and so it wasn't a fair market and that's really where president roosevelt was frustrated he wanted it to be fair he didn't mind wealth he didn't mind successful business what he wanted was a fair marketplace where anybody who had the brains and the work ethic could go into and have an opportunity to prosper this is the era of the term robber barons, which you may have heard of. And there was a lot of powerful people, people with money and influence, that didn't want the trust system to change. And so when Roosevelt delivered that message to Congress, it really frightened people in his own party, the Republican Party. It frightened people who were private businesses. It, I'm sure, even frightened some of the people in the Democratic Party who relied on these trusts as money to help sponsor them for their campaigns. And so it was a pretty radical idea. As I mentioned in In the last podcast, at the time, around the 1901, and really a little bit before, there had been a populist movement that had swept through the working class the farmers, the laborers, the people who were not wealthy but were working hard. The Industrial Revolution really started around 1870, and this was about the time also the populist movement started, because as the as the Industrial Revolution started changing how work was done and really how industry interacted with commerce, it changed how people were able to make their living and and provide food for their families and housing and all that. It produced a new class of wealthy industrialists, and it produced prosperous middle-class folks, but it also produced a huge number of blue-collar or working-class jobs. And the labor force that made industrialization possible was also made up of a whole bunch of new immigrants, which was cheap labor, which was was lower paying labor that the newly formed industrial system could use to keep the profit margins up. So it was a lot happening at the time, which was fueling the populist movement. And Roosevelt was had been from his earliest days, somebody that was fair minded in the sense of wanted competition wanted the playing field to be fair. And so he really gravitated to an aspect of the populist movement that he felt like the system was not fair, and so he told congress that he was going to work towards promoting fair competition protecting consumers balancing interests and he called his idea the sort of the term he gave for publicity's sake he called it the square deal that was also sometimes called the three c's because it was conservation of natural resources control of corporations and consumer protection the three c's or the square deal he wanted to again make the playing field level, and he felt like it wasn't. And when he made the playing field level, or rather when he worked towards that, he would also at the same time help root out corruption in the government and elsewhere that he had been fighting towards his entire career. Roosevelt continued in his speech saying, "...great corporations exist only because they are created and safeguarded by our institutions, and it is therefore our right and our duty to see that they work in harmony with these institutions." The large corporations organized in one state always do business in many states. There is utter lack of uniformity in the state laws about them, and, as no state has any exclusive interest in or power over their acts, it has in practice proved impossible to get adequate regulations through state action. Therefore, in the interest of the whole people, the nation should, without interfering with the power of the states in the matter itself, also assume power of supervision and regulation over all corporations doing an interstate business. Essentially, he was saying that prior to this, business interests were regulated on a state-to-state level. He was advocating for federal regulation if the businesses did business across state lines through this idea, he would go on to create a new cabinet seat and a new branch of government called the Department of Commerce, which is still in existence today. And he did that in order to help make, again, the playing field more fair. Roosevelt went on to say, when the Constitution was adopted at the end of the 18th century, no human wisdom could foretell the sweeping changes which were to take place by the beginning of the 20th century. At that time, it was accepted as a matter of course that the several states were the proper authorities to regulate. The conditions Conditions are now wholly different, and wholly different action is called for. I believe that a law can be framed which will enable the national government to exercise control along the lines above, indicated, profiting by the experience gained through the passage and administration of the Interstate Commerce Act. As I mentioned earlier. And I I think it can't be understated. This terrified the people in power that a Republican president was advocating for progressive reform, which would make the business interests less powerful and ensure a fairer playing field for everybody. It was not the norm. Basically, it was the end of the laissez-faire economic policy, or should I say the laissez-faire commerce policy that the U.S. had previously adopted, or rather held to, but it was necessary because the times were different. The agrarian society that had been the United States for the 130 years before that was being replaced by an industrial society where people were moving to the cities because that's where the jobs were, and wealth was concentrating at the top, so fewer people had more influence through their money, and through their control of jobs, and Roosevelt thought they needed to adapt and change to continue to help America stay prosperous and be a land of opportunity, to be the place where you could have the quote-unquote American dream. Roosevelt continued or rather concluded with this part and this is this is the bit that helped me pick this for today's episode when all is said and done the rule of brotherhood remains as indispensable prerequisite to success in the kind of national life for which we strive each man must work for himself and unless he so works no outside help can avail him but each man must remember also that he is indeed his brother's keeper that each person at times needs to have the helping hand outstretched to him. To be permanently effective, aid must always take the form of helping a person to help himself, and we can all best help ourselves by joining together in the work that is of common interest to all. I love that because he's saying what I've said on each of these podcasts, that together we are better than we are apart. That as we work towards a sense of unity, we are going to have more success as a country. And that's going to be more success for us as individuals. It's it's tied together. I will again state that we have differences. We disagree. We have severe disagreements. What I want us to get back to is working from the sense that each side of the disagreement wants what's best for this country. And what I'm saying during these podcasts is that what is best for this country is best for each of us, individually and together. When we work to help each other, we are also actually working to help ourselves. I appreciate you coming along on this journey with me. I would love to hear any feedback. I'd love for you to rate this podcast, give it a thumbs up or five stars or however you are able to do it. It helps other folks find this podcast. And I would love for you to join us online on our United We Stand podcast Facebook page or Instagram page, or even find us on our um, United We Stand podcast Patreon account, where you can contribute a small monthly donation to show how much you appreciate this and become part of our community thank you very much. I'll see you next time. Until then, let's remember the words of President Teddy Roosevelt. We can all best help ourselves by joining together in the work that is of common interest to all. Have a great day.